Two. No. Podcast. With. Chad Ferguson. And we're live with Pastor Corey Cope. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So Corey's the pastor of uh, the church that I go to, Venue Church here in Airdrie. Um, you're a pastor, you're a dad, yep. you're a husband. Uh, Not a and, very good one. <laughs> and, and you were an electrician for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And you gave it all up to uh, plant a church. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the normal, uh, you know, going to industry and then come out and plant a church. I think most people know. No. No, <laughs> not really. No, it was great. Uh, it was great for me. I was in the electrical industry. Uh, I got my ticket. Then I got my master's and just kind of uh, learned a lot about people. So uh, my dad was a pastor, so I had lots of that background. But for me, um, there were things that I needed to learn in industry, I think, that I could only have learned there. And, and uh, so, yeah, anyways, that was that was my path. It's not everybody's path. and. Yeah. Maybe shouldn't be, but it seems to be working for us. So. <laughs> you know, what? I know, is it working? You, <laughs> I can tell you, it does. I yeah. absolutely love what you guys are doing at yeah. the uh, at the church right now. Um, yeah. We've been part of three churches, you being the, yeah. the third. Yeah. And uh, I love, I love well the yeah. volunteering uh, volunteering works. I love how yeah. everyone, the dream team, as you call it, mm-hmm. all the volunteers just get on board. Um, it, you've built a real community in a very short period of time, and oh, it thanks, yeah. feels like home when we're there. Yeah, we're just over two years old. Um, we really try to try to go eyeball to eyeball with people and and create kind of that uh, high fa- uh, high fun, high challenge environment yeah. that I think people are really looking for. You know, I think we're 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 underwhelmed by the challenge, um, not in life, but I think the challenge in religion. I think we've sort of missed that, and everybody's just like, "Hey, just show up." I think people want to do a lot more. I think they're capable mm. of a lot more, and uh, and so that's just sort of our attitude about that. But to do that, you have to create community. You really have to do life with people. Yeah, uh, everybody says that, but you really have to dig in and and uh, and get into the lives of people. And uh, yeah. that is one of the big things that's different in other churches mm-hmm. we've been in. The pastor's almost like uh, like the pope. Um, he's he's high <laughs> up. No the pope one with tattoos, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but the. Um, uh, and then you have to limit your time for sure. You've got a family and a church mm-hmm. to run and all that yeah. kind of stuff, but you are a big part of it. I mean, you know, every, uh, what is it, Saturday night, the Dream Team mix, uh, meets, and then every Sunday yeah. you go out and play soccer, and then you do at least one group a week where you're sitting down with a group of people, either helping with marriage or with kids. Or, oh, absolutely. And then there's just all the other touches and stuff, too. So, yeah, so part of that is... Um, First of all, I don't look like a typical pastor. No. Uh, like, not really. So that that kept me away from it, I think, for a long time, because uh, the typical pastor is kind of that warm, loving, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, even know how to say it, you know. Soft-spoken. Right. I want to say foo-foo, but I don't want it to be rude, because that's not what I'm no, getting No, because, at. I mean, honestly, I have people on my team. My, my wife is a better pastor than I am. I have people on my team that are better pastors than I am, if if the typical Canadian pastor comes to mind. Um, you know, just have that... You know, for me, I, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I'm more of like a industry. I would be more of like a CEO type yeah. in that like, hey, movement, let's go. Let's keep the ball moving forward. Pain. Oh, that's amazing. God is up to something. Let's figure it out. <laughs> you know, whereas, whereas not um, a, oh, poor you. Yeah, yeah no, I don't. I don't yeah. That's not my sort of, uh, I'm more of a surgeon that comes in. And then, you know, my wife, she'll teach you how to walk after it. And I have other team. They'll come, <laughs> they'll put their arm around you. Um, Aaron says that I'm, I'm great in counseling, but I'll tell you it, uh, I have to work at it really, really hard. It just comes naturally to some people. Yeah. Um, but for me, maybe my strengths are in other areas. And so that's for sure. It's great as long as I have people that do that. And I do. You do. And, yeah. And yeah. so my team is incredible. And so, yeah, they really are. And, yeah. and, and young too, like there's such a, a young, 
I want to say they are young. They're just they're yeah. they're 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 not old people that uh, that come there, and, and so it it feels different when you're. Well, it's funny. Like there. we have a whole cross section that come to church. Like I mean, we've got grandparents who I don't know if they think the music is too loud. Uh, I don't. But they don't complain. They don't complain. Well, you know, I think you kind of go to a church where your kids go in and reengage with the gospel, and and then their kids go there. To me, that's kind of how I think about that. But but the um. We have a whole cross-section, but I, I realize, you know, my generation was Gen X. I think a lot of my generation left the church. I don't think initially they left God. I think they just left the church yeah, because they weren't given a seat at the table. Right. You know, you had to be like 60 plus to do anything. Be an elder. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I mean, or church. make decisions or whatever. And so for us, we just, uh, we throw people on a team. We don't use the word committee all that much. I, yeah. I hate the thought of a committee, like people who talk <laughs> about doing things and almost do things. Yeah. Uh, by the time a committee is, uh, you know, decided to do something, we've tried it four times and uh, know if it works or not. You know, that's how we sort of do it. And that yeah. team mentality uh, to get, you know, you need that young energy and that creativity and technology and yeah. uh, and dreaming. Like they, they want to be a part of something that matters. They do. Um, which my generation said we did, but no, we didn't really, you know. Yeah, so. I think you wanted to. You just didn't have the opportunity to, right? I There's think that that, yeah. that older generation just kind of like, well, leave it up to us. We know what we're doing. We've been doing this for a long time. But they may be, you know, um, I'm trying to remember who said it, but someone about uh, good is the worst enemy of great. Yep. Um, that Collins. Yep. Is that Collins? Yeah. That uh, yeah. Far too often we're like, oh, we're nice. This is comfortable. This is good. You it's know? a Canadian thing, right? Yeah. I mean, just it's the management Canadian thing. Like, hey, just keep all everything spinning mostly. Um, uh-huh. And so, the, I mean, the typical pastor that's hired in. Into a, congreg- into a congregational setting, um, I would say with the typical board-run church, you know, they're looking for that managerial sort of thing. And so yeah. the churches were run so that they didn't die <laughs> in that sense, rather than how we would run venues, I, I say right up front in our membership stuff. I'm like, I'm an opportunist. Yeah. So um, we will try something big every now and again, because that's, you know, we believe that that's the heart of God, yeah. is to risk everything on, at times and to be able to do that, not unwisely. Yeah. That's why I have handlers. But with counsel, with, counsel, with your handlers, yep. with the uh, prayer, with everyone coming together. But with the ability to, if the Holy Spirit says it, to do it, yeah. to actually go out and do it. If it's impossible, to go out and try it anyways, and yeah. and uh, which I love, which is the flavor, I think, of Venue Church, too. Well, and that's that's one thing that you did. You took a church out of, uh, I want to say, Didsbury. Didsbury, yeah, that's, that's where we were. And I was working kind of north of there, uh, mostly in the industry. My dad had planted a little church there 30-some years ago. And so so we took about, uh, I think, 30 people on our plant team, ended up moving with us. Um, that is uh, so, crazy. Yeah. That, well, not crazy. It's crazy in a good way that people just packed up and like, yeah, we love what you do. We love you. We're coming to a whole new city people to help you do think the Canadians, church. yeah, they think that we're all safe and that we're all careful. And yeah, well, I'll tell you what, if, if you... If you uh, turn the heat up enough, I think not me personally. If you give them a why that's worth something, yeah, um, they did it. They some of them didn't even think about it. You know, they're just like, yes, we'll go. You know, I had somebody tell me like, where where are we going? Do you want to go to Toronto or <laughs> wherever? You know, to have that sort of buy in, yeah. um, it's not special because I'm special. It's special because I think they're special, and they just had that sort of risk taking yeah. thing about them. There's a Nietzsche quote that says, um, "Oh, how's it going now?" Something about there's no no how you can't do without a good why, or um, with a good why, there's no how you can't overcome. Yeah. And that's that's what you're well, doing, Well, and if you right? get the right people, again, Collins, you get the right people on the bus, you can accomplish anything. Yeah. But you have to have that that uh, attitude about it. And, you know, I, I still think, you know, uh, you, you can, uh, a poor plan with amazing execution can become a great plan. But the yeah. best plan, if you wait too long, if you wait till all your ducks are lined up, well, nothing works that way. Nothing in industry works that way. Man. You have to <laughs> decide things with 60% information. You know, you have to yeah. rely on intuition and the people in the room and, and you know, 
Uh, I, it's just super important to me. But I think that's a big part of why uh, venue is working as well as it did, is because you have that management background, and so you're you're willing to move forward with um, not all the information and go. Okay, I know I need to watch this. I need to watch these people. I need to watch this. You know, yeah, uh, I have to situation. I have to track people who are uh, specialists in what we do in church planting. I I actually left another organization to join Ark, who we're with now. They specialize in church planting, so yeah. they're big thinkers. They know how to do this. Yeah. Um, and so I'm on the phone often, and and you're just constantly learning like I did in business, right? I mean, if yeah. you don't want to go broke, uh, you got to keep ahead of the curve. And so that, that was sort of always my attitude rather than wait, you know, in church culture, particularly wait until it's too late, you know, wait until the money dries up, wait until everybody leaves, wait until everybody gets too old, you know? Yeah. This isn't uh, working. We got to do something. Well, yeah. you, 20 years you, ago, you yeah. should have done something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And so one of the, the, the model too, that you guys have is you don't have a church building. You, uh, you guys Currently, rent. Yeah. yeah. Are you planning on future? Um, we're, you know, sooner or later you're going to have to, I think, um, I like it just cause it keeps the capital free and I'm yeah. all about budget, man. The more, the more you can save, you know, every dollar matters and the more you can save and, uh, I mean, we call it marketing, but there's people on the other souls on the other side of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the more you can reach into your community with that dollar I like, um, yeah. and bang for our buck, we can't beat what we have right now. It's a pain in the neck. But we don't think of it like that. It's never like it I have to, I like have to get there. You know, you get there to load in early. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I walk around. I'm just glad to be there with the people I love. This is what we do, man. And so to get there early to me is like I get to like. It's, There's no one with bad attitudes. Mm-hmm. So we've showed up and it was minus twenty five out. Everything's oh, yeah. frozen. Everything's yeah. icy, and everyone just gets to work. Really, yeah. just you know, this is my box. I'm gonna go set it up, run my cables. Yeah. Don't turn, plug that in because it's too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. Give it a couple of minutes. We're in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah, there's there's never a bad attitude. And I've the buy-in never... on that team is always incredible to me. Um, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a reflection of my own heart too, because I'm just like, just tell me, tell me, God, just give me a why. Yeah. And let's go do it. And if a soul is on the other end of that, our motto is a, a life saving is worth everything yeah well everything is a lot yeah and we say yeah it is yeah so if you come in right up front we're just like it's worth everything so sooner or later yeah it's worth everything uh, absolutely yeah. I, I don't think people understand church kind of gets a bad name right that mm. that in the you know if you look at what the catholic church has done if you look at you know um you know people talk about joel olstein and you know they're all money grabbers and maybe they are maybe they are i have no idea that joel olstein was one of the people that i was inspired by when we first started going to church I think people are easy to rag on on things that aren't them, uh, particularly if the church they go to doesn't isn't growing. It's really yeah. it's so easy as as just people. I think. I mean, the problem with the church is that it's full of people. Yeah. So I mean, the minute I would have a perfect church if there was no people in it, <laughs> and also if I wasn't allowed to be in there as well, right? And yeah, so yeah. it's it's just sort of a. Uh, a thing we we don't expect perfection anywhere else right. in our homes we don't expect it anywhere and yet we go to church and what does perfection mean perfection normally means i'm doing what i want and get what i want right right at the ground floor we've created in venue church like high church can be a little bit about you but not a lot right and so like hi you know when you come in you get involved right it's not really about you anymore it's about the person who's not here yet who we need to get to yeah but i think when you you know every church i heard a guy say this one time every church naturally turns inward yeah and it's my job as a leader to turn it back out yeah and so when you realize that that's what we've worked hard to do and i think it's easy to look at somebody else's success or somebody else who's doing something we don't understand 
Um, I could look at, at churches in town who do what we don't do or or do it better than we do. Yeah. And I could be jealous and say a lot of stuff about them. And, you know, you heard of this all the time, Joel Osteen, and they've sold out the gospel. It's 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 garbage. I watch him on TV. Man, he lifts my soul. I, like, I like uh, it, you know. <laughs> I, I can't agree. That's sort of the point of it is that people uh, have a bad view of what church is and what they do. And really, if you go there with the heart of, I want to learn something Mm-hmm. Uh, to be better, to to, yeah. to move my life forward, to to get away from something that I don't like, because we all do it. We all do stuff we, that yeah. we don't like. We all do. Absolutely. What, what's the scripture? Um, uh, I think it was John always talking about. I always do the things that I know I shouldn't do. Yeah, I think it's Paul. He's just like I hate, like I hate myself. Like I'm always doing stuff that I'm trying not to do, and I I can't seem to find a happy yeah. uh, ground in there. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that and that I think is where a lot of people are. And if they or sorry, they're not. If they came in with that attitude and just go, you know what, I need to be around people to do things a little bit better than I do. Yeah. And where can I find that? Yeah, and, and that improvement that constant improvement. Um every time I improve as a leader, our church grows. Yeah. Every time our, our um our team improves, the church grows. Yeah. Every time the dream team improves, the church grows. And so it's one of those things that you can sit there and whine about why your situation is hard or different. Well, I'll tell you what, that puts you in a place sometimes where you need to be corrected, where yeah. people come in and are like, why are you doing that? Or why are you doing it that way? Just tell me why. You know, if you get all defensive about it, um, the gospel is timeless, but how you present the gospel is not. No. And um, and so for me, you know, I, I, I have to be very aware of who's on the other end of that conversation. And if I'm doing it wrong and it's not attractive to them in some way, I mean, it's hard. The yeah. gospel is hard, but there should be some hope about it and something about it that, that resonates with them. And so that to me is that constant improvement, constant getting better, constantly allowing my own mind to shift and change. Yeah. Rather than just be challenged and look at somebody else with a bigger church and be like, oh, wow, they've, they've sold the gospel out. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. You know, like, I don't know uh, what that means either. Like, You if, know what they'll answer for that if they have? But that's none of my business. I mean, yeah. God bless them if they're doing well. And so, and, or maybe I can learn something from them. So. And think about what Olstein has done, like how many people he's helped, how many people he's changed their mind. He's, you know, maybe he is stealing all the money and banking it and he's going to end up. I, oh I doubt goodness. it. I, I just, it's so matter. easy to say. It's just so easy to say when right. somebody's had success. I don't know. I, I haven't found... But I'm not an expert on it either. You know, who knows? <laughs> but my, my point is that, you know, even if he does all that, does that take away from all the people he helped? Yeah. You know, that that's that's what it's really about. The church from, you know, is, throughout history has been there to help people, to, to feed the poor, to educate the sick, to, um, you know, just be there as that support. And, and yeah. people have the wrong view of it now. And I think that churches like um, Venue and, and churches probably coming out of ARC are leading people down that path. We're like, oh, yeah, we're not bad people. You know, we're not these staunchy old men that are going to tell you you're wrong and you need yeah, to I mean, quit what you're doing. It's a leadership game anywhere you go. Right. It's always the temptation to start using it for yourself. Yeah. Um, so I have to be very careful that my heart stays in a humble place, uh, that I'm willing to help anybody, particularly people who aren't doing as well as I am. Do I only hang out with people who are, what, I think successful? Absolutely yeah. not. I shouldn't. Um, but, I, you know, leadership is like that. It is, you know, Andy Stanley said it. It's a stewardship. Yeah. You are accountable for every every inch of it, you know. And so I think that if I surround myself with people who uh, only agree with me, yeah. I don't think that's wise. I have to have people <clears throat> who have different gifts than I do, who see the world differently than I do. Um, I mean, that sounds all humble, but it's not. It's just like, hey, you want your church to survive and do well and have all the gifts in operation. Um, I can do an end run if I need to, but my, my board can also kick me out. 
right. for, but not because they don't like me. Right. And that's that's where we would differ from <laughs> some other churches, because sometimes yeah. it's just like, well, the pastor's preaching about this, and we don't want him to. Um, no, that's not how venue works at all. It's much more of a leadership mentality. Now, if I steal the money or, or do something atrocious, yeah. we have grounds for that as well. And we also have oversight so that people can come in and take care of the flock and things like that. And so I'm, I'm aware of my own weakness or yeah. fallibility, and I've, I've set checks in place, but... It gets a lot closer to home than that. Like I have to be committed every morning when I get up to yeah. text my accountability partner if something goes a little bit sideways on me. And you know what? I mean, it's what I want my kids to do. Yeah. So you can't be different. You can't be above the rules. So that, that's what leadership is, right? Is, is the people underneath you, you want to give them a platform that is solid, that you learn that it gives them something else to jump off of, right? Yeah. To, and, to rise and, up. And what we're preaching is that we are not the end of anything. We are just a, a channel to something else. We have to be comfortable, I think, in who we are and in our gifts. But the other side of that is it does not, it did not begin with us. It will not end with us. Yeah. If I go and blow the whole thing up or if I become a success, whatever that means in church world, <laughs> it, it's not about me and it never will be, you know. And right. so we're just in the middle, just trying to help people along the way. Yeah. And, um, and that to me, our statement keeps us close to, to the ground. A life saved is worth everything. If you can't give it all away today for one life, yeah. then don't worry about tomorrow. That's you know? what the scripture is, right? Jesus left mm. the flock to go find the one. He left the 99 to go find the yeah, one. Yeah, and everybody's like, yeah, 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 until you realize that the people are inside the church are the ones that he's talking about. Yeah. And he's like, hey, guys, you might not get everything that you want, but yeah. you have to keep in mind the heart of God is always to reach that other one. And I think that because we came, we had the benefit of not having to shift culture. We just came with the culture that we believed in, which was that. And so everybody coming in, they're either like immediately confronted with that if they don't really like that, yeah. and they go someplace else, and that's great. Yeah, We have no problem with that. Um, but the ones who stay, they know why we're here. Right. So that, you know, two years in, you don't find out like, oh, my opinions about this might not matter as much as... That. Right. Okay, well, we want to be very upfront about that and yeah. just be like, yeah. You know. I just um, read uh, The Ideal Team Player. I don't know if you've heard of no, it. I have. It's a great book. They Who's talk it? about, um, I'm not going to remember the, uh, the author. I have the know. world's worst memory too, so it probably wouldn't matter. Just look up The Ideal Team Player, <laughs> you'll find it. But anyways, they talk about being uh, humble, hungry, and smart. And so mm-hmm. those are the three best attributes you can have as a leader. Mm-hmm. And it was all based off this story about this guy that owns a construction company. And so there's tests to go along with it. You find out where your staff is, your leadership yeah. team is, and you make sure that they're in that, the, the right spot. But one thing he talks about is when you're interviewing new people yeah. to come onto your team is you let them know your culture up front. And you also let them know it's going to be super uncomfortable for you if you don't believe in what we do. Yeah. And so I interview people at work and say, listen, we're a team player company if yeah. you don't like being part of a team that's okay you don't need to work for me yeah but if you're here and you're not part of a team you are going to be super uncomfortable working here yeah you are not going to like your life at all so uh, i think as a gift honestly i think that's a gift that you give somebody coming in um you just let them know right up front you know yeah. it's not about your agenda it's about the agenda um and there will be times when you have to sacrifice your agenda for the overall mission yeah. um in church world it's absolutely no different you know uh, the youth guy can't have a different vision then the overall vision, it has to work in. Everybody, it has to, my own, I mean, and people look at, look at me and like, well, you get to make all the decisions because you're the boss. No, I get to give up more than I, <laughs> I get to give up more ideas than anybody else does. I have to submit more than anybody else does, but that has to, that team player mentality or your culture up front. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. Do you get some resistance? Like in your, your team meetings, your, 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 your direct people, like some challenges. I, I know one like person kind of re- yeah. particular that I, I think does regularly. I'm not going to call them out on there, but it, she seems like the type of person that would. So I'm that, super curious who you're talking about now. Renee. 
I'll Renee. call her out. She's awesome. Renee. Yeah. No, no, she's awesome. Yeah. But uh, she's one of those people where if things are seem a little bit out to her. She's like, oh, hang on. Everyone stop. We yeah, need yeah. to we need to reset. It doesn't match with this or it doesn't fit here. Yeah. I love that about her. Yeah. Honestly, um, Renee is, uh, I mean, they just, they're like new believers. Yeah. And they're incredible. Scott organized that whole Easter thing. I know. Uh, I mean, knocked it out of the park. Oh my goodness. I was just getting a headache just thinking about all the details and <laughs> As it is now, I don't even know any of the details, which is incredible, which is a perfect team. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I manage a big company and I know what it's like to take on big projects. And yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you've been in there in construction too. Yep. And he's just taken the details, on details, a details. massive product that had 10,000 moving parts. Yep. And he ground I got all, all the all list together. of stuff from him, like, you know, so X number of volunteers and X number of budget. And like, he just did it all. And it was yeah. incredible. Um, yeah. Um, some people's, you have to, it's my job to keep people in their gift. Yeah. And uh, one of Renee's, you mentioned Renee, one of, you know, like my, my wife's gifts are very kind of pastoral. So she'll feel what you're feeling. Um, and she is incredible with kids, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I could, I could go off and list a bunch of her more on the softer side of things, I would say. Um, so my gift is that I kind of get to get above the issue and see it up there. So there are some things that I feel, and I told my team the other day, like I need to know if, if any of these two things happen, I need to know every single time. But some of the other details and stuff like that, no, I mean, you know, Renee is a, a, what we call a handler. Yeah. So she just handles details. <clears throat> she she has talked to other pastor's assistants of big churches. She has like learned her craft. Yeah. And she's like in charge, you know, she's the dream team coordinator as well. So she just handles everything, but she keeps things on mission. She herself would say, okay, I don't decide the mission, right. but this is my job. She knows her place and all of that. And, and, you know, I mean, with Scott and Renee in particular, their hearts are good, you know? Yeah. So that to me, I am not afraid of strong people. Yeah. I, I was a strong person. I, I am a strong, I think I'm a strong person. You are. I, um, but you know, that doesn't mean that I'm a disagreeable person. Right. Um, so there are times this, I think it was in, um, one of the C.S. Lewis books where they said, there's a time for giving opinions and there's a time for taking orders. Yeah. You got to know which, uh, what time it is. Yeah. And as long as you know what time it is, then the hat that I wear is very different. So when I go into, you know, if I would come into your industry, I'm not putting on a boss hat because I don't know anything about it. Right. I might have some experience by, by way of whatever, but that doesn't mean I'm any authority in there. And so I, I have to understand that when I'm in a room around a table and we're just discussing ideas, uh, everybody around the table has to be very quick at changing hats. So if it's in your area of expertise, you know, I don't make an end run on everything. That would make me a bad leader. There are right. some people who are like, you know, that person is feeling like this. You know, I can't just be like, that person's an idiot. You know, like, <laughs> I might be thinking it. You know, because because people are broken, and people are predictably broken, too. You know, they yeah. keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, you know, that attitude that I have sometimes, because I want a fast result. Well, sometimes people take a long time to, to come along. You have to be patient. You have to be forgiving. And yet you can't give up some things in that. You can't indulge them in ways that hurt them. You know, there's all sorts of that. But Renee, you know, I mean, around that table you're there to not to agree with me you are there to find out what god wants and the best plan right and i'm there too for that yeah. so we get along really great yeah you know? she like i said she she's awesome she's a leader for sure the yep. families have corporate meetings i mean it's, it's i don't know my family's never had a corporate meeting but yeah i know they have like <laughs> corporate meetings all the time i, I keep talking about oh we need to implement if, if the uh scott and renee are doing it we yep. should be doing it and it's just i can't i'm, I'm not at know the same level that's, that they are. that's just who they are though and that's awesome my yeah. corporate meetings are more like handled on the fly like everything else in my life so it's just like <laughs> hey whoa this needs to stop or like this needs to start so yeah exactly yeah. 
That's awesome. So I wanted to talk a little bit about a scripture you did, uh, I think it was two Sundays ago, mm-hmm. when you were talking about um, Adam and Eve after uh, Eve ate the apple and then gave it to Are you going to bring up the boy-girl thing? I am, because yeah. I think it was incredible. And I, yeah. and I when you were doing the sermon, I wanted to yell out, be brave, because <laughs> what you were saying was so absolutely true. And you, could know, feel, you could feel the tension. For sure. Like for a man, even a pastor to get up, maybe it's worse for a pastor. I don't know. It's not worse for a pastor. It's... It's, it's, it's worse to be an authority figure. It, it's 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 worse to be a man and try to talk about. You can talk to men about their problems. Yeah, talk to girls about their problems, that's or very, tell them what their problem is. Right, right. right. Oh, yeah. That's what you're doing from the pulpit. Is you're, you're saying that oh, this is the the curse that you've been dealt, and uh, so maybe we'll back it up a little yeah. bit and just say what it is. So um, after they ate the apple, they tried to hide from God. Um, uh, covered their bodies, all that, and then uh, God said to them that, uh, let's start with the man. Now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you'll be born of dust and you'll uh, have to labor your entire life and then you'll die and go back into dust. Yeah. And that our curse is that we're always looking from for significance because we are just dust. Yeah. And uh, that was really eye-opening for me and for a couple of reasons. I'm a pretty driven person. I always got lots on the go. And now I'm questioning why. Mm. Um, That am I working just to gain significance in someone else's eyes? Is that what I'm doing this for? Like why am I... Even significance in our own eyes. You know, when when we pull the veil of that back, um, it creates this weird little dynamic where we can sacrifice a lot if, if, you know... there's look there's good guys and bad guys and good girls and bad you know like it has nothing to do with that i think it's just the the what we share guys and girls you know like i I should say what guys share with each other kind of an underlying curse or an underlying motivation and and this underlying motivation in girls as well that you have to know why you do what you do um that significance that that hunger for significance we come in we get married we have kids. We we have a job. We even come to, to Christ if that's your story, or you you, and then give it a little time. And then what you do is you hand that company, or you hand your wife, or you hand your children, or you hand your team lead, or your pastor, or you hand somebody this box that says, "Okay, right. So I'll give a lot. You know, I have all this love to give, or resources, or time, or whatever. I have this to give you, but you're going to make me significant, right? Yeah." And then when we when that doesn't happen in the way that we think it needs to happen, then we start withholding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that significance is a huge piece um, because significance, you know, ever since the the curse of man, that was never going to be our lot was to rise much above that ground other than the cross that was planted in there. But at the end of the day, even in Christ, he's the one who is significant, and we will never be. Right. We are only stewards in the middle of that. And so we have to come to grips with that yeah. and be comfortable in our own skin. And, and that's how I look at it anyways. And I'm driven too. Like, I yeah, I get it all, man. I have the I drink the same poison, you know. <laughs> the uh, and, and how it was affecting me directly mm. was when I look at when I get angry. So when mm. things don't go the way you think you are, mm. and why is that? So, you know, you give advice to your kids kids and they're like they blow you off and you're like yeah it's because kids are idiots well <laughs> i'm just kidding i, you I have children's four, ministry I, right? no no i'm not in kids ministry. i well, have four but, daughters i'm just joking i know you are the um uh, but that's it right when yeah. someone doesn't listen to what you say when someone doesn't take the advice that you're you're giving even if they've asked then you feel insignificant and it makes you angry it makes me angry and so that's where i started really questioning it's myself. the why exactly that that is a scary thing yeah when we have to look at the why and we're like I, you know, I feel disrespected. 
Well, that might be true. You know, yeah. that might be a frustration point. Somebody doesn't do what you want them to do. Why do we get so so mad about that? Yeah, uh, the buck rarely stops with us. But yeah, we tried to bring that control there, and we try to demand that respect. We tried to, you know, I'm a guy like we just do it all the time. It's a scary thing if it's like, oh, I'm just trying to feel significant about my life. Right. Um, that's not the purest of motives. No. Either now, I think on the other side of that, I think there are times that we should get mad. Mm-hmm. I think when it's a protection issue of our family, I should get good and riled up about that. I should yeah. not be soft or passive. Um, you know, protecting your kids from stuff on the internet. Like, I get worked up about it. Yeah. Um, not at my kids. I get worked up about the problem. Right. I get worked up about, you know, I have to have that energy to deal with it. I think if Adam would have gotten worked up in the garden, and Christian believes that this actually happened in some form or other, I think if Adam had got gotten worked up about, he was so worried about what Eve thought of him, he was so worried about appearing significant in her eyes that he forgot that his first responsibility was to God, right. to obey in his obedience. Could he have brought Eve back and uh, the whole thing been redeemed? I wonder if he would have gotten upset and just like, I know this is going to hurt, but we have to be right with God first. It has to be the first. You know, I wonder if it couldn't have been redeemed if he would have gotten worked up about the right thing. Right. But he waited too long. Yeah. And he, he, he may, may have played have, his own significance. And, and he may have even been able to redeem Eve. Absolutely. Um, I think so. Right? I, I think that, that as, as men, that, that's part of our job is to mediate. Not, you know, not like people aren't with God, but you mediate. You go to pray. You, you, you mediate for your, your wife and kids. You, you mediate for other people in your community. You go between them and God and ask for mercy and ask for forgiveness. You know, that's part of our job, I think. Yeah. We want other people to do that for us because it makes us feel important. That's, I think, our job. You know, the, the, the authority is to mediate. It is to make, bring people closer to God, I think. Uh, yeah. That's my thinking about that. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and it really made me question why I get angry or, mm. you know, why um, I run into those problems in my family. Is like, well, is it just me looking for significance? Is it just, what, why am I getting angry about that? So it was, it was good for am, me. Am that. I angry that you broke my word or am I angry that you broke God's word? That's a different thing. Right. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 not every word that I speak. You know, you go bedtime, God never told my kids what time to go to bed. <laughs> that is my word. That are, Those are the house rules. You know, you have to take them in their categories and deal with them accordingly. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if it's a God thing, that's a different thing to me because everything hinges on that relationship with God. And, and that was the only thing that Jesus got angry about was when people were um, they're ripping the people off in the house of God. Right. Uh, the people, the Pharisees also were representing God and using words that God didn't say in, in a spirit that God didn't have <laughs> yeah. to judge people and not have mercy. And, and yeah, yeah he, he would get worked up about it, for sure. I don't want to get too far away from the actual sermon. Yeah, get back to the, it, uh, boys and girls, I'm just avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I don't think you should. I think it's important. And, and I've seen it, and actually... Um, uh, everyone on the podcast knows I listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson uh, quite a lot. I, I like his I'm look. I'm super familiar. Um, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he he talks about, so let's say, so with women um, uh, in the Bible, they're looking for control. Um, and that was based on, I'm trying to remember the scripture right now that you based that off of. It's part of the curse. Here, Don't send me angry letters, send them to chat. Uh, it's part of the curse. <laughs> you know, we understand the curse of childbearing. Um, it, it is harder for humans than it is for animals. Yeah. For the most part, that was part of the curse. Uh, men, basically, I think our curse might be worse because we have to slave away forever yeah. and never be significant. I, I think that that is a long-term, every day, every moment of every day sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but that that scripture that we try to gloss over where where it says... 
you know, to Eve, uh, your desire will be to control your, your husband, but he will rule over you. That whole thing there, like, that's what got mixed up, right. uh, I think, in that whole idea. So, so men, rather than using any authority that we might have in society for good, for servanthood, for sacrifice, for protection, we use it to rule. Okay, but get back to the woman part there. <laughs> that whole desire for control. Um, yeah. The desire to, and if I could say this, the desire to protect ourselves. Um, I, I, I have a wife and four daughters. I'm well acquainted <laughs> and underrepresented in my home. Yeah. Um, and this deep-rooted desire to protect their hearts, I think, this is a thing that, you know, for a man to come to Christ, you're going to have to get over that hurdle of like, okay, but this is all going to be about God now and not me. Right. Oh, I'm going to have to give that whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but to girls, this is where where I think it's possible to let God protect your heart. It's possible to not have to control that. So, so you'll come to God, or you'll get involved in marriage, or you, and and you'll you'll say say this to God, maybe, okay, but you'll make me feel safe all the time, right? And Jesus is like, well, no, but you still have to take up your cross and follow me, and it's going to hurt, and pain and suffering are part of this life. Yeah. Then what? Yeah. Then you feel like Jesus broke an agreement with you that he never made because he promised pain in this lifetime. He promised purpose, though. He promised that your pain would matter. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is, um, what I think maybe the temptation on that side of it would be is to is try to escape pain and not embrace pain. Try to um, uh, control pain rather than just turn the tap open and let God heal you. It sounds hard, but hey, I've had a lot of pain in my life and... and um, I, I, there's just a part of that that you have to walk through the valley of the shadow, shadow of death. You can't go around it. Right. Um, but that's also where Jesus is, in, in the furnace, in the fire, where it's the hottest. Um, I think he could meet you there and he could hold your heart, but it's such a feeling of risk to get out there and to be like, okay, you decide for me. Yeah. You know, that, that's a hard thing. Well, everyone follows a system in life, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, whether it's the one the TV predicts to you or the one the Bible predicts to you or the 12 rule, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, not 12 rules, the um, 12 step programs yeah. out there. Everyone's, everyone's following a system. And in which one are you following? And which one is good for you? Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of getting back to like what people's view on church is and why they go and they think they're going there to be judged and they're going there mm-hmm. to um, get something as opposed to going there to give something mm-hmm. and growing and changing yeah. and, and following a system that actually works for hundreds of millions of people for Mm. thousands of years, right? It's not like Christianity is about hurting anybody, although there's been Christians that do that. It's really about uh, getting closer to God and doing more for the people around you. How could that be bad for anybody? Yeah, I think um, I might be preaching this um, Easter Sunday coming up here. We don't see God uh, the way that He is. We see God the way that we are. Right. And what we do is... um, we hold a mirror up to Christianity, or we hold a mirror up to things that we don't like, or to God, because we end up blaming him for the wrong things, uh, things that he didn't do. Um, we look, well, if God is all-powerful, you know, how come my brother died, or how come my mom got, got cancer? You know, I can't compare pain to pain. Those are very hard circumstances. We have to understand that, that all of those things were, were never um, the Garden of Eden. They were never intended mm-hmm. by God. Uh, he gave something to man, mankind gave it to the devil, and we've been suffering ever since. To get angry at God would be the most unjust emotion, I think, that there could be. 
Um, what was the question? I, I'm coming back around to it. It was just about um, what was your reason for being in church? Like, is it to, right. and, to and judge or be judged? Judging the church. It's easy to judge things we don't understand, and it's easy to hate what we need. Yeah. And I think <laughs> if... Good, if That's true. <laughs> write that down. That's a good name for Ben. <laughs> yeah. I just thought of it. You know, it is easy to hate the inevitable. Yeah. And I think that we feel inside of ourselves a judgment for sin coming. You can't say that there's no judgment if, if God... If God is love, then he's just. Um, and, and the voice of the victim always comes to the ear of God. There may be a time that, that he can't get to it in the sense of he's given it to mankind, but at the fullness of time, um, there will be an answering for these things. But the scary thing is there will be an answering inside of ourselves. It's easy to cast off God. It's easy to hate people who love God and and actually have the nerve to think that their own morality shouldn't be trusted, but that an, a higher law and a higher morality should be trusted in the middle of that temptation, in the middle of that situation, in the middle of that powerful position you find yourself in when you subscribe to a law you didn't create. Yeah. That is what makes the people under you safe. That is what, you know, we have an election today that's happening. That is what yeah. makes people safe. The adherence to a morality they did not, they are not choosing from day to day. That is a terrifying reality, but most Canadians live in this like, oh, you know, I kind of do whatever feels good, and there's no <laughs> right and wrong. How's it working? Yeah. It's terrifying. Nobody should marry that. No, right. <laughs> Nobody should have that for a mom. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. The, I was thinking back to what you said. The, I think Nietzsche also said that uh, the thing that you want most is in the place that you least want to look. Mm. And, and I think that's true of everything, right? You, look, you want good health, but you want it easy. You want it to be a pill or a magic wand. I want something. it to taste like a bacon burger. Right. Absolutely. Mm, who doesn't like a bacon burger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a bacon burger diet that could make me give me a six-pack. Yeah. I have several six packs, so I feel <laughs> or six pack on top of another six pack. Yeah. Ultra healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the 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 thing with Jordan Peterson when he was talking about it was funny. I listened to it right after you said uh the, the sermon the, the very next day I was driving to work in, in Twelve Rules of Life, he was talking about a client of his, um, and there was this woman looking for control. She was abused as a child. Mm-hmm. And so when she such got a hard older, thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she she gained control by giving away. You can't steal anything from me if I'm giving it. So right. she had sex with absolutely everybody that was in front of her, mm-hmm. so nobody could abuse her again. Right. And, um, you know, she would say, like, oh, I think I got raped last weekend. I'm like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And uh, so it, it's so that, that thing, that control, how do I get control of the situation where if they were to give up control and find people that truly loved them and wanted to protect them and, and, and got that from their, their God as well, then, then you wouldn't need to do all those other things to try to gain control. And right? everybody reacts differently to that. That's a, just a simple of the sickness, I think, you know, some people just get quiet and stubborn and they have their own little thing going on in their heads. Yeah. Um, you don't find out for five years just how wrong it's, it's been. Then everything falls apart in a relationship. There are the people who react with anger. Yeah. Um, everybody's got a different, some people lie. That's how they respond to that, that pain that they're, uh, I wouldn't, unwilling to, unable to, that, that's probably a better word, I think at times, uh, to face because, um, of this underlying thing, I can do it by myself. I can fix it by myself. I can find it by myself. I can be honest. We always talk about honesty. Okay, honesty is about the truth. It's not about what you think. So if all you're doing is telling me what you think, that's not being honest because honesty has to do with the truth. Yeah. What if what you think is completely untrue? Right. So I could tell you that I'm a, you know, I, I identify as a six-year-old unicorn and I'm being honest. <laughs> Am I being honest? From a two-year-old perspective, I'm being honest because that's what I think. Right. Is it honesty? 
no, that's a different thing. Is is not true. <laughs> um, Honesty you know. is something that's been lost, uh, and it's uh, I see it in my kids, uh, and I'm trying to teach it to them. Like, be very careful of the words that you use. That you want them to be as true and as honest as possible. That's one of the rules in the twelve rules of life: is uh, don't lie, or so, yeah, don't lie. No, always tell the truth. But at the least, don't lie. So yeah. don't say it unless you absolutely. Know we treat it's it true. like this: like, look, everything you say has to be true. Yeah, uh, I don't have to say every everything that's true. Right. Right. So my four year old asked me, you know, like, where do babies come from? First of all, I'm just like, I don't know. You know, that's not really true. <laughs> well, I'll just be mom. like, well, you know, that answer changes <laughs> as they get older. Right. Um, but everything I say has to be true. Still, um, yeah. that's a different thing. Sometimes we we give away too much in that sense of. But no, there. When I go up the ladder, I don't get to decide how much truth I tell. Yeah. You know, I don't get to decide what story. I don't get to filter it. When I go up the ladder, I, it's all here. Yeah. You, you decide what to do with it. That's how the world works. That's how God works. Um, but when it's down, there are some things I can't tell everybody everything that I'm thinking. You know, like, hey, I'm thinking about moving to this city. What? You know, freak your kids out? No, <laughs> man. You gotta like use your brain a little bit and get some counsel. And yeah. I don't know how we got off of that. The you know it says something because you brought this up at uh, last sermon or the sermon before where you you were talking about the truth and that, that yeah. it always goes up. The full truth goes up all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I thought about it in prayer and meditation that that everything that I'm thinking about in a prayer and meditation has to be a hundred percent true because that's going all the way up. And I'm trying to teach that at work that yeah. that. All your truths have to come up. Don't tell the guy behind you that the office made a mistake. You tell me that I made a mistake, yeah. and I'll correct that mistake, right? Yeah. And that's, that's you know, it's an old you, military you deal with it. Yeah, you deal with it, and you minimize the damage down here. But if you want a job and a paycheck, this is what I used to tell the guys. They come back and be like, oh, the boss doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, <laughs> the boss has money, man. Are you kidding me? Like, I want a paycheck. I don't care if the boss knows what he's doing. Maybe I had to make a deal. I don't care. Yeah. But listen, when I make a mistake... I don't get to minimize that going up the ladder. Right. You know, so so you come on my site and you're the boss. I'm just like, hey, this is what happened. Yeah. This is, but this is what we're doing to fix it. Yeah. It's not going to happen again. But what I don't get to do is hide it. I don't get to pretend that it didn't happen. Right. Um, and the people under me, we get so angry at our kids for doing that. Yeah. And then we do a tour at work. You know, <laughs> I wonder where they learned it from, right? So I uh, One of the, the worst moments in my, uh, my marriage was uh, I hit a, 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 a speeding ticket from my wife. And it wasn't like I was purposely trying to hide yeah. it, but I didn't tell her about it. Yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah, I, it's I, the same thing. <laughs> I, I was, I'm very black and white about <laughs> stuff like this. We have one rule in our home, don't tell a lie. Right. And she, she was so mad, yeah. and rightfully so. Yeah. She should have been and yeah. now like if i get one i literally text her like i'm getting a speeding ticket right now yeah, yeah. so when you get home tonight know that that's what it is and she can we tell ourselves like day. oh i'm trying to minimize their pain it's such a load of garbage you are it's not garbage. you're trying to minimize your image of yourself right because look uh, nobody likes to live with a liar so yeah. when they find out about you it's not their it's not your image their image of you that you're really no we always say that like an image driven person i'm worried about what other people think a little bit what you're really worried about is what you think right and you don't think that you're the real person it's a terrifying reality when you wake up and you're like oh wow i care i care more about what i think than what god thinks about me than what my people think about me and then what i'm like to live with that's know? the worst truth for anybody here oh, right there it i sucks. don't care if it hurts your feelings man like sooner or later you got to realize that and start telling the truth because uh one day your people wake up and they can't do it anymore right and um and it's your fault right and they shouldn't honestly <laughs> i used to listen do you remember dr laura schlesinger yeah so yeah. well before i was a christian i used to listen to her she'd come yeah. on lunch hour i was yeah. driving around doing my sales and uh she was talking about infidelity yeah. and she says the only reason you admit an infidelity is to make you feel good so don't tell your significant other if that happened that was her advice that's what she said that's what she said oh, and, shoot, that's and, so wrong. 
I, I agree. And I thought about it at the time. To me, it made a lot of sense. It's like, oh, yeah, why would I, why would I tell the other person? Because it's just making me feel better. They're going to feel like garbage, right? There's this thing that gets between us. And if I could, even that whole guy-girl thing, there's a thing that gets between us there, too. But, And I will say after this, I was all worried about how if the girl's feelings were hurt. So I talked to a bunch of them in the lobby. I'm like, did I hurt your feelings after church? <laughs> They're like, no, that was right on point. My wife, actually, and I read something that she she said, too. She's like, do not use a different word. Use the word control. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. She told me to say it like that. I'm like, okay. But, you know, um, even between us and our marriage, anything, anything between you and I, if I do something that's wrong yeah. to you, it's called sin. And until that sin is addressed, it stays right between us. Yeah. And uh, if I hide it or you hide it or we pretend that it's not there or we're unhealthy and we don't talk about it, um, it you're, you're being a coward. It's yeah. the ultimate cowardice. You're just letting it sit there between you and somebody else. You're letting it sit there until the whole thing breaks apart. And then how are they going to feel? Yeah. You're not thinking about how they feel. You're thinking about how you feel in the moment. It's selfish. Um, we shouldn't be selfish pigs in our marriages or in any place. That sin has to be addressed from both sides. Now, having said that, if I sin against you, it's your job as a Christ follower to forgive me, whether I ask for an apology, whether I apologize or not. Yeah. Forgive first. That's what we teach in, in Christianity. Like some people will never say they're sorry to you. You got to forgive first. But that relationship can never truly be reconciled until that thing is gone. Right. And so if I tell you a lie about something, I have to make that thing right. Yeah. But if you stay silent about it, or you know, sometimes I talk a lot. Sometimes I'll <laughs> say Zephaniah instead of Zechariah or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But right. liars hide all sorts of stuff and that sort of thing too. That's right. No, you know exactly what was being asked of you. You 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 didn't say what was the whole truth. They had to ask you 57 questions to get at the truth, and you still don't tell them the whole truth. Yeah. That is a nightmare to live with. No, no, no. If it's between us, the best thing to do is just walk over and just be like, hey, I said this thing, or hey, when you said this to me, did you mean it like that? Right. I'm just curious. Don't get offended by don't something get offended you don't, and don't know. And don't put it, something on them that your dad used to do to you. That's not fair either, because right. I mean, most of the time people, you know, they're not thinking about you half as much as you think they are. <laughs> You're not that important. <laughs> and so, but just you, that thing has to go or yeah. the relationship can't come back together. I had it described to me as uh, lies are like, every time you lie, you have to put a rock in your pocket. The bigger the lie, the bigger the rock. Mm-hmm. Think about where you're going to be at the end of the week if you're a liar. Like yeah. you're going to, it's going to be very uncomfortable to walk around. You're going to be tired. You just got all this weight on top of you and it's just not worth it. And at the end and of the day. you have to have an amazing memory. <laughs> That's, it is so hard to be a liar. It is so difficult uh, no. to be a liar. Yeah, way more difficult than just going, "Hey, you know what? I I said this, or I, I blew did it. This. I did it, man. I suck. Um, it's time to move on." I got mad, and I meant it. You know, yeah. like, grow up. We're not two year olds, man. We got to get over some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I um, uh, yeah, I I don't think people. I was a liar as a kid, uh, a lot. Like it just it worked for me as a kid. No one called me out, so I was completely. So able. You're, Cana- you're Canadian. That's why it worked. We're too nice. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. think that nice is being dishonest. You I know? could tell any kind of story, and everyone's like, "Uh huh, yeah, yeah, good for <laughs> you." Being polite. That's, yeah. that's awesome. And then that's also just, not the type of church venue is. So you might be super uncomfortable if you go. Because <laughs> I'll just be like, "That didn't happen." Yeah. Nope. <laughs> My wife will be like, "Nope, that didn't. You said that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and it's it's the right way to be. Uh, mm-hmm. When uh, the the pressure that came off of me when I started telling the truth, it was unbelievable. You keep short accounts with people. Yeah. And um, what kind of moral authority do I have uh, as a father in my home? Uh, we did a marriage small group. Uh, was it last week? And we we talked about. We actually got all the guys in the room, and I talked to them about you know actual like sex and stuff. Like just talked about it honestly. I, I don't think the church has done that enough, but. Um, 
where was I going with this? Um, what were we just talking about? Truth and this honesty. Is, this is what I'm like in a meeting, by the way, too. <laughs> Truth and honesty, and and then I talked about that and got lost in that. You were uh, in the the marriage group. You took the men aside, and you were. I think you were calling them out. Right, right. And so, so what we're what we're trying to do is we're expecting something from somebody else that we're not that we're not going to do ourselves. And so, um, I, I still lost that. I'll come back to it. Okay. Keep talking. Yeah. The um, I'll uh, say something else, but it won't be the thing I was. Thinking, so. <laughs> I don't want to miss it. Uh, yeah. It's talking about the Easter festival. So yeah, this yeah. is something that's been going on in Airdrie uh, for quite some time. I think what six or seven years, eight years, uh, run by other I'm, organizations. I'm not even sure. I think Living Springs has been doing it. Um, yeah. They were incredible. I guess they did an incredible job with that, and then they just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, they were super open-handed with us, and yeah, give us all their info. And yep, so it just um, it just happened that they weren't doing it this year, yep. and you were looking for something to, for the church to give back to the community, and so it lined up. And then, of course, you have the best uh, leadership yeah, I have, team. I have with the you. best team so of they, all time. They jumped on board yep. in literally in like three weeks' notice. Four weeks, maybe three weeks. It wasn't very long. I feel like it hasn't been more than four weeks to date. Yeah, I do. Well, no, maybe. Oh, I don't even know. It was short. It That's was why super, I'm not organizing super short it. Yeah. to yeah. put this together. And the city's got been great. Tons uh, of sponsors. The yeah. city's there. We have 63 sponsorships of sorts. I think That's unbelievable. I can't remember the rest of the stuff on the list. Yeah, we yeah. we we got. I mean, we didn't get quite to budget because it's quite a big event. Um, so church is covered. In, um, some of it, but I mean, honestly, for the first year that we did this, uh, the corporate sponsorships came in. We were really trying to connect uh, the business community, not to the church. We're just facilitating the thing. Um, I would love to connect them in the church. I don't think we're, I don't think we're miles apart from where they think they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my industry. That's where I come from. So you know, um, but uh, you know, just in the economic situation, Alberta right now. Um, you know, my, my heart's with the business people. Like, yeah. it's they've been hurting. And it's so hard I, to go. I'm like, you know what? Let's give them some advertising with some thousands of people coming right past them, walking right past them on things that they can sponsor right here for very, very cheap. You can't get sponsorship like this for this amount of money anywhere. Right. And we're just just trying to cover a bit of the cost of the event so yeah. it doesn't kill us every year. <laughs> but, it? Um, but it also puts your business right next to the people, and this is how people in Air do business. And uh, and we know there's four or 5,000 people coming through there. Yep. We know there's families, other businesses, people looking for jobs. Yep. Um, uh, I'm excited about that. Was it 4,000? chocolates or was it eight i can't remember it was a stupid big oh, we have number. eighty thousand. Eighty thousand easter <laughs> eggs yeah eighty thousand easter eggs in, and they're in my garage because that made sense at the time anyway they're all there now everything's in my garage so i think somebody's bringing a maserati to park there for one of the car no yeah, comes, oh yeah totally house of cars yeah i think i think house of cars is doing oh, that yeah that is crazy i think joe oh, said they... he's gonna give me rides in it or let me drive it around town that'd be killer joe have you have you driven like a no? A really are you kidding? High <laughs> <laughs> I drive like old and navigators a, and stuff, so that's, yeah, yeah. that's as posh as I get. I worked for this guy. Um, uh, he owned a big house in uh, Springbank, and he literally hired me on full time. But he yeah. had a Ferrari, and I says, "Well, tell you what, I'll do it for this price, uh, but I get to drive your Ferrari once every summer for a weekend." Yeah. And he agreed, yeah. so I was like, "Sweet!" Yeah. It's first summer I'm in there, and this is right at where the downfall in the market came. He yeah. ran an engineering firm, and uh, so he ended up not keeping me on long enough, so I got a chance to drive a Ferrari. Oh. But I was like that close yeah, to, yeah. to driving a, an old Testarossa. Sweet Ooh, car, yeah. though. Um, I keep thinking about like down in Vegas, you can rent those cars oh, yeah. and, and go rip them around the yeah. track a bunch of times. It's like, oh, I should do that, but so much money. <laughs> I'm, I'm a budget guy. I just couldn't do it. 
I would like to, but I'm too cheap. There's yeah, no way. even the UFC. I'm like the biggest UFC fan yeah. ever, and it comes to town twice. And Nicole's like, "Are you going?" And I'm like, uh, "No, that's like six hundred dollars of family money just yeah. for me to go." And I'm like, oh, I "You can't, know what? If you do uh, life Dave do Ramsey styles, man, like someday you'll have the money to do stuff like that right. and be as generous as you want to." Exactly. So it's got to be in the right place, and that's yeah. where I'm at. We're like, you know what? Six hundred dollars for my family goes to a better place than me spending one night. There will come the a time. Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Later is greater. Yeah, I agree. If you I can agree. still see and hear stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like 80. Yeah. Do you want to um, uh, call out some of the sponsors? Do you know? You know what? I would miss some of them. Um, <sighs> I put you on the spot now. Yeah, I, I don't bad. I don't have that in front of me, and I would I would hate to miss some of them. We'll link it in the podcast. Sure. So you can send it to me, yeah. and I'll make sure all the sponsors get uh, Yeah, if you link to airdreeeaster.com, all the sponsors are listed there, then Beautiful. everybody, yeah. Um, I know what'll happen though. Cool, I'll, cool. I'll see somebody at, at lunch. <laughs> Why on, did you I'll say I'll see it? somebody at lunch on Friday at Burger Club, and they'll be like, "Hey, well, I go right." Yeah. Sorry. All right. I, I shouldn't have put yeah. you on the spot. No, it's all good. Let's uh, let's talk about what venue's next big move is. What uh, I know, you recently changed up the logo and sort of the look of the church. What? Uh, where, where are we going? Yeah, we um, we've been growing here. We'll see another bump in our numbers at uh, at Easter time. We, we it takes. What do you call people that come at Easter and Christmas? Creasters. Creasters. Creasters, yeah. And they'll come, <laughs> come to venue church and they'll be like, oh, wow, there is, you know, it depends if you came from a not church background. Even even yeah. most people are like, I should probably go to church. And, you know, I say I believe in God, but we don't hang out a lot. <laughs> so I should probably go at Easter time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you should go to Easter time. You should try venue at Easter time. There's lots of great churches in town, too. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, they'll come, or or people who I would say grew up with some religious background, but for whatever reason, uh, just haven't haven't been coming um, for a while. So this is kind of our big Easter event. But what this does even more so, um, this puts us eyeball to eyeball with the community. You know, if you if you don't believe in God, a lot of people don't, um, mostly because they've never met Him. Yeah, which I totally get. Um, or their dads told them that you know God was stupid, or the church was whatever, and you know just wanted your money and someone that whatever. was hurt. Or yeah, somebody was hurt. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people say it all the time. Like I left the church because I was hurt. I'm thinking to myself, I'm the pastor, and ain't nobody been hurt more than me. <laughs> so I would leave if I could figure out how to do a church without people. But you know what? That's part of the heartache that I think God feels too. Yeah, kids don't always act the way that we should, and. Um, and he still loves us. He still puts up with us. He still forgives us. And he still challenges us and disciplines us. Um, what we're doing now, we're, we're moving into this time. Um, we changed to a Sunday morning service in September. Maybe we should have done that earlier. I don't know. It, it was working for us, but then we just need to shift it. And so, hey, you know, the truth is you got us into the venue because you had a night one first. Oh, is it? Um, oh, yeah, we're yeah. not against the morning ones yeah, at all, but yeah. that's what actually got us into the church was yeah. like we like to camp so get home sunday morning clean up go to church yeah yeah yeah, yeah you know what and um we can't say that it, it, it didn't work um you know whatever it is it's a learning curve it was time to shift it though and so we did that um our numbers have been growing and growing you, you can't grow faster than your systems and you can't grow faster than your uh discipleship i would say because mm-hmm. you can you can get big quick and not have the um you know the you can paint it but it might not have the engine that you need, you know. It might not be what people need. People start slipping through the cracks. People start not getting the help they need. Um, so yeah. so um, what we're doing, um, actually, I'm not going to announce it quite yet. If, okay. if you want to, you, you got to come to, because Easter is going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. Then the week after, I have a buddy of mine, um, Pastor Nate Pacini from Substance Church in Minneapolis is coming. Yeah. And um, Hip-hop. 
Uh, they have type. a they have a pastor of DJ Ministries or something. Like I thought, venue was cool until I'm just like we're so not cool. These guys are amazing. The, the little brother are cool. Yeah, yeah, well, not even that. But anyways, <laughs> these guys um, they're just humble. They have a massive church. They're not going to tell us. They don't. They don't even care. They just love us. And for some reason, they've taken an interest in me. And um, and so um, so he's going to come. And he's just a great guy. I just love this guy. Anyways, he's going to start rolling out to our dream team uh, first. Uh, what's coming up here? But we are going to you know, eventually have to, what he's going to be talking about is kind of the need to shift into two services when you hit the fall, kind of plan that out. Mm -hmm. I guess I just did say what we're kind of talking about there, (laughs) but you know, we're going to have to. And so that's good. That's natural. Yeah. Um, Well, the the theater is full, right? Yes, it just is. And, and as we move into it, you know, it's, it's good. People have to feel the pressure of that, but also the demands it puts in the dream team as well. Yeah. Um, now we're going to end up working one, sit one, you know, that's sort of a service mentality. So, which is also good in a, in a lot of ways too, because if all you're doing is serving and you miss the feel of what's happening in the auditorium, why am I giving all these secrets away here? This is supposed yes. to happen in two weeks because <laughs> I can't keep my mouth shut. Anyways. Uh, um, we get the same superpower. Yeah. The inability <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> you can tell me a secret. I'm great at secrets because A, I'll forget it in 10 minutes. Or if I, if it comes to mind, then I'm telling whoever yeah, I'm yeah, with because I, I totally forgot I can't about. keep secrets at yeah. all. I, it's, I it's won't. They'll be gone. But Joel told me his family secret, yeah. and I every time I see him, I'm like, "Hey, I'm so excited for you guys to do." And yeah. I and yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Like, dude, stop! Yeah. Just just stop. I had that thing last night. I saw I saw those guys at the at soccer, and I'm like, "Hey, dude, is that still a secret?" Because in my mind, I'm just like, oh. "They're like, think it is horrible." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a um, true thing. Yeah. So so uh, just uh, the I think the expansion of the church. Um, these are the places where you you know you have to identify people that come in, uh, such as yourself. People with some get up and go. Um, People who want to make a difference, people who want to do something, people who want to sacrifice too. There's lots of people that come and kind of attend church. That's not really, you know, what we're about. Um, it's a participation sport. You yeah. know, like this is a life to be lived, not something to come and let everybody else pay for and everybody else to volunteer for and everybody else to do. That's not what we want at all. We want you highly engaged with Christ. We want you highly engaged with people. And so um, that process takes some time. People yeah. come from different cultures. Um, sometimes I almost prefer baptizing a person and training them because sometimes you come from a church culture that's kind of broken or a little bit backwards. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything disrespectful about church. It's a body of Christ and I love it. And people, you know, different churches reach different people, but I'll tell you what, some people come in and they're thinking about church and all wrong. They're thinking about it like consumers, um, to retrain those people takes a lot. You know, they're always thinking to themselves, like, what do I like? What do I like? Okay. Like, that is not how we think at all. That is not how I think. What do I like in a church? Right. Oh my goodness, that has nothing to do with that. You know, it's like how can I reach your brother whose life is messed up? That's yeah. what I care about, and I'll do anything to get to that person yeah. if it means stepping on my own toes to do it. Yeah. But um, you have to identify those people. You have to have those leadership places where that they, you know, can come up in just a solid place of discipleship, which is our small groups. You can't grow faster than your small groups. I think you get in trouble that way. So I think that I don't know how many churches do it. Um, the, the two can that I have one I of these to, things? I'm going to try one of these now. I've been, I've been eyeing this uh, Zevia ginger beer. Here we go. That you the said tastes product, product placement. You're on the camera strong. now. So look look right at that camera right. and say, I love ginger beer. I love uh, ginger beer. Zevia ginger beer. Ginger beer. I haven't go. tasted it yet. We'll, we'll tag Zevia in here. I like that. It's good. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I love I love the ginger of it. I like the, I like ginger. The it's first just, time I ever had a ginger beer, my buddy gave it to me. His dad owned a health food store. He gave it to me. And I took a big, and he's like, 
I don't know how stupid I was. He goes, he goes, okay, but you can't just take a little drink. You have to drink a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, because I'm super smart. And then I, 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 I just <laughs> leaned back and chugged it and sprayed it all over his van. Oh. And so, but it was such a strong thing that it just keeps coming back to you. And it's got, yeah. got some bite. I like it. No, it's yeah. good. Yeah, they're super tasty. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit more than what I like. I thought I really loved ginger, but I like ginger beef and I like ginger on my sushi. And ginger ale. Ginger ale. No, this is good. Yeah. No, it's good. Cool, I don't think cool. it's too strong. Yeah. I uh, I've been pumping Zevia to everybody. Yeah. It's what got me off sugar First because there's yeah. no uh, um, glycemic index in your body, so you can drink these, and it's still not good to have the carbonated stuff. It helps make uh, kidney I like stones. soda, but sugar. Oh shoot! Yeah, I can't do I can't yeah. do the full stuff anymore. Yeah. So this stuff is much much better. I don't yeah. remember what we were talking about. Uh, Easter <laughs> leader. We were talking about leadership and involvement. Yeah. yeah. Small groups. Small groups. Yep. That's what it was. Wow. Yeah. You're on the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I still can't remember the other thing, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> that's so. okay. We'll come back. <laughs> I don't care. If we, if we think about it, we'll come yeah, back. Whatever. The, uh, the small group thing, that yeah. I don't know how many churches do it, but it's it's important. I have mm-hmm. that, that community. I remember um, when uh, we were in our first church and we had a small group. There was about 20 of us in that group, and we met weekly. Um, you know, sometimes it was Bible study. Sometimes it was just food and, and uh, hanging out together and that. But Nicole's dad had died. And uh, he wasn't a good guy. Uh, none of his family were good people. And we were going through a really, really hard time. And to, I felt like I had 20 people on my side, yeah. at minimum. That yeah. I went there and I just told my story and I was mad and I was not polite. I, I wasn't honoring in any way at all. Mm-hmm. And they all just listened to me mm-hmm. and let me vent. Mm-hmm. And then we all talked about how we were going to handle or how I should be handling it and what's yeah. the next step and yeah. how could they help. And it was amazing. And then it went to church uh, the next Sunday or the Sunday after, and some other people come up and told me stories on how it affected their lives. And all of a sudden, I felt like I had 400 people behind me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it didn't seem so bad. Uh, yeah. There wasn't the stress in it's, my life. It's the sharing of a burden. You know, if you're going through a crisis, uh, the emotional weight falls on you mm-hmm. so heavily. And, and, and excuse your judgment, makes you a monster to live with sometimes. It's hard. You know, it's just a yeah. hard place to be. But that emotional weight, if you tell me about it, or you somebody in your small group about it, um, and we honestly we have about as many people come to small groups. We have them coming out Sundays. Like it's, it's that important to us that um, where we actually do life with each other. You know, yes. like come out to church. I, you shouldn't forsake that. There's this corporate thing that happens that doesn't happen anywhere else. You can listen online, but it doesn't happen like it does when you're sitting there. Yeah. But the um, but that small group thing. It's the the emotional weight that you're feeling. They don't feel yeah. like that. They love you. But it didn't happen to them. So it gives them an objectivity. It gives them also a strength and a faith that you're going to get through this because you don't feel like you can sometimes. Right. You know, I've been in a place in my life that my small group you know, saved my marriage, saved my family, maybe saved a bullet. I don't know. It's just one of those things that you know, I, I've had so much pain in my life that, that if it wasn't for the people around me, and some of them were the people that came with me, yeah. this is why we have the relationship that we do. We didn't start fresh with some people. You know, we've, we've had this time over time with them. They've seen me down in the dirt. Yeah. They know my intention and my heart. I'm not perfect. What's the but thing they're like pastors? brothers and sisters. You know, like it, it's, this, it's this thing that they like, hey, we've seen him down at the worst, and we know that, he's, that he loves people, that he loves God. Yeah. And you know, even when he's a mess, he's still he's trying. You know, and, and that's all that... that and I, I see them in the same statement, you know, the same way too. The um, pastors get hold to a different standard, and I think unfairly. Uh, you're, you're, what's the right way to word this? You're, you're probably 
what, there's a scripture that backed this up, but I can't think of what it is right now. But basically, you're going to be held responsible for uh, what you tell people, yeah. um, which which everyone should be held responsible. Yeah, Paul responsible. says, uh, let not many of you become teachers because you're more accountable, basically, yeah. which is true. And But that still doesn't take away from the fact that you're human, you're a person, yeah. and that, you know, I don't know if you do this or not, but if you blurt out a swear word or you yell at somebody or you're... Aaron swears all the time. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine. Uh, oh, I, I if can't, you believe that, I'll go for more. Okay. Yeah, no, not really. Okay. No, not really. Oh my goodness, that would be funny though. It would be funny. I'm like... I, it's one of those things that um, it's a leadership model that we inherited from a previous generation yeah. that was so out to lunch. Yeah. Um, well, the whole pastor kid thing, like, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. They're the pastor's kid. I'm like, they're a kid. They're, they're just a <laughs> yeah, kid. And they shouldn't be doing it because they're kids. You That's know, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you tend to, you can live in a fishbowl. You have to learn to not resent that. Yeah. Um, you know, the church I grew up in was my dad's church. It's a great church. Um, we didn't feel like we were in a fishbowl all that much, but... Did it's you pay be- attention to anything around you, though? What's that? When you oh, were a yeah. kid? Yeah, I, I was quite observant, I think. Okay. Um, what I would say is that leadership is a fishbowl. You yeah. know, you, you honestly, you can't do what everybody else does all the time. That does not mean that you cover your weaknesses, though. And that, to me, was a leadership model that, that we inherited from the previous generation. My dad was never like this, but but his contemporaries were. It was just this thing of, like, just, you know, I heard, I heard an old pastor say one time, like, never tell anybody you're struggling with anything. Never admit you're wrong. Never something, something, something or other. And I'm just like, I am the opposite of all of those things. I'm yeah. going to mess this up, I guess. And he said after, he's like, oh, no, they were wrong when they told us that. But that's what that's the model we inherited, you know. Like, never tell anybody they're struggling. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, as a pastor, like, you know, somebody's marriage falls apart or somebody's kid goes off the rails. And then they get mad at you. Yeah. I'm like, I, I didn't do that. I told you to get them to youth group. Like, are you kidding me? You never, you know, Yeah. we gave you all this counsel. You never did anything. And now you're mad at me as if this is my fault. You yeah. Know? And they'll go out and people. tell their friends and then they leave the church and they try to take as many, you know, I mean, like all this, you deal with betrayal and you deal with all this stuff. Um, yeah. Is it unfair? Leadership is unfair. So don't get into leadership if you want a fair shake of things. You it's take harder. Those, it's just it's harder. harder. Yeah. yeah. And that's what leadership is. And I grew up in a leadership family. We never expected it to be easy. We never expected it to be different. Um, yeah. I had a lot of pain in my childhood. I, I never expected life to be easy. Um, but I also didn't want to get bitter about it either. Yeah. So if I'm talking to you about something, there, there are times when my people share my burdens, and they should. You know, yeah. so, someone so comes at me, I don't really get to defend myself there, right? If I defend myself, I give up my authority. If I'm the one who's, uh, if if I'm, you know, I, then I'm bringing a defense of my case to them when it might be their heart that's wrong. So I have to take that to God and be like, is there any truth in this, God? I have to be honest about that and just be like, is there any truth in this? I know the way they're doing this is a nightmare. But uh, then I also get to tell that to my people, too, because people need to know. They can't take pot shots at me. Um, I might be quiet about it, but my people probably won't be. No. And if you come at my wife, I don't care if she did something (laughs) wrong. It is the end of your life. Yeah. You know, that is... She's my wife, you know, the church, you come at the church. I I don't come at the church very much. You know, I'll say things like the church might be a little broken or didn't get some things right. I think it's just being honest, but to come against another church, yeah. oh, careful. You know, I I heard somebody, they planted a church in in the same town as somebody else, and the other church that was quite a successful church sent somebody over there and said, uh, check them out. And then they came back and said, oh, they're not a threat to us. (laughs) Like a threat to you. (laughs) A threat to you. Is it the church of Satan? (laughs) 
that they started? Are you kidding me? Like, is that how stupid we, you know? We're all supposed to be on the same team here. <laughs> Are you crazy? But that's how they thought. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I, I don't want that to be us. But, you know, there's there's the fishbowl thing. But you know what? Um, I'm pretty honest. Yeah. Um, we have struggled. We came here at a very hard time in our marriage. Our marriage wouldn't shouldn't have made it through it. I mean, I remember those days. I just think anything I could face, I don't know if it could be like that. And so... I'm just grateful to God, but if we don't talk about the struggle, you don't connect with people. Well, then there's no there's there's no saving either, right? No. If you if you don't struggle, then what what is life? You know how I can unwind uh, problems now? Yeah. Because we walk through them. Yeah. That's how I, I know. You know, I can spot something a mile away sometimes. Now, why? Because we've had to walk through it, and then I'm just you know that allows me the. Uh, how do I say this? This emotionless thing of a surgeon sometimes is like, look, I love you enough to tell you this. Yeah, you're a real jerk at home. Yeah. You know, you need to. You know, I don't say that very often, but there are times <laughs> when a person is an actual jerk at home, and you're like, look, uh, don't make me do this thing. But you can't treat, you know, your wife and kids like that. Right. You can't do it. If you, you say know? this stuff, this is what's going to happen. Yeah, you exactly. You know, like there is protection and and society and and. But um, I think just I think we need a little bit more honesty, not honesty in, in crudeness. Yeah. I, I don't like that very much. Yeah. I want it to be um, decent, but sometimes the struggle is just hard, and, and you got to tell somebody about it. And um, and sometimes the struggle in my life is hard too, yeah. and, I, and I tell people about it so that people know, like, hey, I, this is not just me making decisions here. This is a whole team of people, right. teams of people. So this is not Pastor Corey just doing some scratching an itch here for his ego. Yeah. Um, I, I hear a lot of truth. We we talked about this a little bit on uh, the Crystal Boys uh, podcast with Airdrie Power. She's starting a um, uh, women's shelter, trying to start a women's shelter here in Airdrie. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that we talked about is that if there's abused women uh, here in Airdrie, which there is, mm-hmm. um, and you build a shelter, well, how many shelters do you have to build to get? We need to do something in the community to mm-hmm. fix the men or the abusers. It's mostly men, so I'm going to blame the men. Mm-hmm. Um, that that what are we going to do to fix them? And she has a plan for it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a big part of it is that no one's in their life calling them out. Where if I go to a small group and you know Nicole's upset and you know they question her, I'm going to get called out. They're they're going to say something. My group is like, why was Chad? We doing are this? we are so proud. That's what keeps us out of community. That's what keeps us out of church. We're so proud. Right. Um, I don't want you to know when there's problems in my life. Well, look, um, you know, you can do that, but I mean, whole, the, the Christian community used to do that too. Oh, just go home, pretend everything's okay. Yeah. It wasn't okay. Yeah. It was not okay behind those doors. It was not okay. And so um, that is also where venue would be, I would say, markedly different because we value discomfort and honesty yeah. more than we value the other yeah. and so um real boats rock i mean that's one of our <laughs> sayings right it's like show me a completely smooth operation i'll show you someone who's covering mistakes yeah real boats rock like that's how it is uh, we're not afraid of it we move into the mess but um that whole thing is funny we, d- we did a small group on on parenting so and our small groups are massive i don't know if everybody <laughs> wants to go to the pastor's <laughs> house or whatever my kids got a small group downstairs it's bigger than my small group and so yeah. they come up and like hey you gotta come up with a new name call, yeah, yeah call your life group. yeah exactly you i don't know what it is it's not a small group, group so yeah. but we had a parenting one it took a while for people to get into that because you know a lot of the people in the room i think um and some of them will be listening to this a lot of people in the room had younger kids you know when your kids are younger you can think you can hide things when they're teenagers you can't hide it anymore right but you've created a template to raise them that it's like hey i'm gonna hide it and we're still gonna deal with it here 
uh, your teen, you know, your kids need other people in their lives. They need more than just you. They need their teachers. Yeah. They need Sunday school teachers. They Five. need youth leaders. Yeah, they need people who, who are not you. Because yeah. all you're gonna do is, you know, if you're lucky enough to be married to somebody, you just take your um, both of your weaknesses and you magnify them and hand them to your kids. Yeah. Without somebody else in there. Yeah. So that's how we, Aaron and I. Uh, that's how we see it. It's funny in the parenting small group, though, um, things are pretty quiet in there. People would talk about things, but it took a while to get a little deeper. That marriage small group, we got like 30, you know, we had, we've had as much as 30 people in our house upstairs. My kids have like 30 kids downstairs. Nice. They're a small group. Yeah. Um, it's different. If you go in there with your wife, yeah. Is she crying? Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to say that your marriage is great. You're right. You get called out by yeah. 15 women. Uh, it's, it's, but it's such a healthy thing. I found people opened up in the first week because we had to, right? Because, and it was therapeutic working through some of these things. I mean, I took on, I took on, uh, passive aggressiveness in, in one of the couple weeks ago. That was amazing. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. We took it on there and the passive aggressive sin is this isolation deal where you got your own jam going on in your head and you're making life miserable for yourself and everybody else. Yeah. We went through it in that group. I've taken some of the team through it as well. We went through it in that group, and I'm just like, people are talking about it yeah. right now. It was therapeutic. Yeah, It was like, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. Oh, then you start laughing at yourself. If you can laugh at yourself, you are halfway to beating it, honestly. But yeah. w- if you're by yourself, and you're at home, and you're in the middle of an argument, you're not laughing at how dumb you are. You're not no. laughing at how much you know you just lied or... Like you really said that you really think that like how stupid are you sometimes you know and so but if in a group of people when you have other people around you who are struggling with the same thing yeah. I don't know I think I think we got I think we got a, a line on it the uh, our small group we we were at another church with them and then they we all kind of came over together and so we've known each other for uh, quite a few years I know and some it happens of them. it happens all the time in our group like I got uh, I'm even embarrassed to say this but I'm going to say it because we're supposed to. Yeah. Um, uh, one day I was angry. Uh, the the dishcloth was on the front of the the yeah. sink. Who puts it on the front of the sink? It's there every dang morning. Yeah. So I come up. Nicole comes to the kitchen. I'm chucking this stuff, and yeah. I'm mad. And and uh, like, why would you put it there? Like, I I we got to do stuff, and and it's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. I was complaining to her. So anyway, she just kind of like, okay, well, I can move it to the back if it makes you happy, yeah. and uh, not really pandering, but a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and then as I'm leaving the house, I'm like, that was so stupid, and I didn't say anything. Yeah. And then that night we had group, and then so Nicole says it for me in front of the group, <laughs> and like, oh, you were really angry about that today, and I'm like, yeah, I was. Yeah. And she goes, were, were you really angry? I'm like, I don't even know why I was really yeah. angry. What do I care about a dish towel? What do I care about? Just imagine being able to just be honest about that yeah. and have a laugh at yourself. Yeah. To me, it's just such a huge um, relief to be able to do that. Not when you're when you're constantly doing that to other people and embarrassing right. them. I don't think that's true, but the truth should not really embarrass us. I mean, it does a little bit, and yeah. that's therapeutic too. I, I was it's embarrassed. Hum- it's called humility. But it was it stupid. Yeah. Like, I recognized the stupidity of yeah. it, and I should have, when I got out to my car, realized I made a mistake, just turn around, come back in the yeah. house and say, or send a text and be like, hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what's up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right? Yeah. And I could have saved myself so much embarrassment yeah. by just doing it right then. Yeah. And, that by, and that's why I love my wife, because she's never not going to come. Yeah. Me out, and that's why I love my group because they're yeah. never not going to call me out. That passive aggressive thing is such a tricky little deal. I think it's like the sin of Canadians. Yeah, um, we are so stubborn. We'll nod and smile and tell you what you want to hear, but man, we have our own thing going on. We have our own mental process. We don't agree. Yeah. We'll apologize and do the same thing next time. We right. we don't even get that far. We're just like, I'm sorry. 
We yeah. have no intention of. It's so tricky here because you know six months later you'll find out like that's a that was a problem when you say something, ask you point blank about it. Yeah, no, we lie, we lie, and we withhold, and then we get stubborn, and then we withhold our affection, we withhold our words, we withhold. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like your kids walk by and you're mad at your wife, so you don't say something to your kids. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like what it's kind just of people? Landslide of it's a crap. two-year-old <laughs> garbage pile that we're. Yeah. And and um, you know I'm th- I'm thankful that that my family you know that was just not allowed in the home. And yeah. so, man, you your attitude was dealt with a hundred percent of the time. Your reaction you were always on the hook for. Yeah. Um, didn't matter what was done to you, they would deal with that. But that's a separate thing. You know, you have no justification for acting like a jerk. Right. Um, we started now where if I'm angry and not talking or whatever, Nicole will say, "Why are you angry?" Mm-hmm. And I'm not allowed to lie. Like, yeah. I just have to say, I don't know or figure it out. And and it actually, it goes both ways where I'll go, you know, why are you angry? And she was, oh, I'm not angry. Come on, lady. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. you, you, women complain that men don't listen or they don't pay attention. I'm actually paying attention. I see you're not in the right frame of mind. Well, I, part of the thing is that that passive aggressive thing is such a hiding thing. Yeah. It hides and it turns inward. So you can pack in all sorts of different reasons. Yeah for why you did that and why you're not being honest and why you're, you know, um, like whatever that looks like to you. But when it gets out and gets in, in public, then you can't hide in there anymore. And so what, what a passive aggressive person, they don't really understand, um, why they're feeling what they're feeling. Right. And it becomes unconscious. Now their stubbornness and their, their withholding and their, you know, just what they do, just constantly filtering information for everybody and trying not to get caught. And, (laughs) and, um, and it's exhausting for them. It's exhausting oh. for everybody else. And um, here's what I would say about being passive-aggressive. It makes very smart people very stupid people. <laughs> like, so incredibly stupid. I just, I think of the smart people I know that suffer with this passive-aggressive thing. And I'm like, it makes you so dumb. You will repeat the same mistake 50 times in a row. Right. And you just keep saying your story, but you're not actually dealing with it. And so that that, even just to be able to call that out and to... To realize that no, that that thing, that little stubbornness, you know, it's unconscious now, but it started consciously. Yeah. It can change. You have to go after that thing and, and shift and change that. Um, but going through with a group of people, I'm finding, having kind of, you know, lined it up, I'm finding it's therapeutic. Yeah. And somebody who would never be, I would never be able to say that to individually. Oh, person, yeah. Because you feel so, it's become such a part of who you are. You feel like I'm attacking your person. Yeah. Right. Well, no, I'm not. I'm attacking the other person That's inside right. of you. You know, there's two of you. You're right. That other thing that nobody loves and you don't even like. Right. That's, you know, you have to be able to separate yourself from you that. You got Cain and Abel in there. Was that? Yeah, yeah, we, absolutely. Right. We, we, we all have that, that, that good and the bad. And even yeah. though we're doing the bad thing, we go, oh, I shouldn't be. The other person, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the angel and the devil on the shoulders yeah. or whatever. We always got that going on inside of us. And what, we, what we're afraid to do is put a bullet in them. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, that's that's really what we have to do. We have to get to this place where we're like, you know, I hate that other person that I've become. Um, now, a passive-aggressive person will feel all sorry for themselves and get locked into this, like, shame spiral where it's like, I'm a terrible person. Why are you with me? <laughs> it's like, well, why don't you just grow up and quit telling lies all the time? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the issue. It gets into this weird little twisted mess. You know, you have to separate yourself from your sins. Yeah. Now, particularly if you're a Christ follower. You don't have to do that anymore. 
Yeah. You don't have to be that person anymore. And so I have to separate myself from the worst version of myself and put a bullet in it sometimes. Just take it out to the shed yeah. and be like, hey, not anymore. You know, the, the flesh <laughs> is what the Bible calls it. You know, it's like you can't cast it out, but you can discipline it. Yeah. You know, you can put it down. You can put it on a cross. And, and that's what we need to do. But a passive aggressive person really feels like you're taking something, you're taking them away from them. Right. No, you're just taking the worst part away from them. But it still feels like a loss of self. That brings up a good question. Why do you think people are so afraid of change? Like, uh, they're, I don't know what the numbers are. I wish I knew. But it seemed like the majority of the population just really want that comfort level. They don't want to change. They don't Canadians want... are late adopters anyways. Yeah. Um, they'll come when everybody else is coming. Um, which is interesting, building church in Canada. <laughs> you, know, you can build a great church in America probably a little quick, quicker, quickly. Yeah. But Canadians, we take a time, you know, um, the change thing. Like, it seems like people are innately afraid of, of changing something. Like, they know what they're doing is wrong. They know they don't like, you know, whether it's alcoholism yeah. or gambling. And every time you show up to a casino, you go, I don't want to spend my money this way. Yeah. You have to be saying that inside, right? Unless you're a professional and you're actually making money at it. Yeah. That, that's what they're doing. But yet, they'll show up every day and they'll spend their last 20 bucks or 50 bucks on something. And uh, I, I just... I, I feel like it's still in a manageable place. You know, if I can still manage it a bit, mm-hmm. um, then it's not that bad. You have to have something from outside of you, I think. There are some things you'll beat, which will make you feel shame for the other things that you don't. Because yeah. you'll, you'll have your Achilles heel too that I consider myself like uh, an addict to some things. Yeah. And I'll always be an addict to some things. That doesn't mean I'm sinning, but that means I know something about myself. I know that in this situation, I'm not going to do well. So I have to stay out of that situation. You know, yeah. um, I consider myself an addict. I, I call men to a higher standard. I'm like, no, no, no. It, it, we're addicts to something. You have to understand that about yourself. You can't put on this thing. I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I can watch any. Oh, come on. Yeah. It's such a load of garbage. Yeah. But, but um, it's manageable, meaning we're not facing the loss of everything right now. That kind of heat would cause us uh, to change. This is my my job as a leader. I think anybody's job in leadership is to take that business decision because you're addicted to spending too much on what. Yeah. You're spending all this on marketing, but you're not really watching where it's going and your your you know, your budget's all out of whack or you lose this contract because your guys don't handle whatever whatever. You know, and and you have to bring that pain and pressure to today. Right. And turn up the heat. If you can do that. Yeah. Um, but that is something that we all tell ourselves, well, I'll change when it's time and I can change anytime I want. And we just feed ourselves these stupid lies until somebody comes along and is like, no, actually, and you're going to lose everything in a week. Right. That's when you move. Well, well so even, you have to heat that up. I see even when people do that, though, they're like they're losing their wives and their kids and they're just like, oh, it's someone else's problem. Like, dude, you're you're a jerk. Stop being a jerk. Passive aggressive people. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who... Who, if they're angry, they'll call you angry. I yeah. mean, how do you argue with somebody like that? Every time that you're about to open your mouth and say something honest to them about like how they've hurt you, yeah. they just they just get there first. Yeah. Why are you getting mad at me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, you you lied, and then you start thinking about you know an honest person starts thinking about their own life, and then you realize like ten days later, I haven't lied about anything. Like, yeah. What the? No, they just you know. And um, what were we talking about? The uh, why people don't change, why people don't, um, uh, you know, they, they they never see something as a problem. 
I, I think in well, business sometimes that yeah. can be like a, a superhero trait is that you don't foresee the problem. You can solve them when they come, but you wouldn't it's have a, the courage to move forward. It's a manager's problem in business, I think. Manager okay. versus leader, very, very different. A manager's job is to keep everything ticking along. Yeah. They generally won't see something coming that's going to break them. Yeah. Whereas a leader walks in, they're not really good at keeping everything ticking because they get a little bit bored with it and and don't like that sort of thing. But their gut will tell them like, ooh, somebody else is going to move into town and and put us out of business if we're not careful. We have to diversify or we have to centralize or whatever that looks like. You know, yeah. that's a kind of a different thing. But I think that starts right here. That right. whole like how do people get so messed up? Yeah. I in my better mental states think in ten minutes I could wake up to finding myself as I shouldn't be and I don't know yet. Um it takes a lot of courage to live like that. Yeah, I could wake up, and I, I did this one time. I walked out of town one time, and I realized I had gotten to this place where God in my head was not God at all. He was okay with some things that uh, a holy God wouldn't be okay with. Um, I'm not talking about, was it something massive? No, I'm not really talking about something massive. I'm just like, my heart, I can talk. Mm-hmm. I can talk you into stuff. I can sell you. I can sell you this ginger beer right now. I can talk. I can talk myself into it. Right. And that was the problem. Yeah. I talked myself into a God that wasn't really God. Yeah. And Holy Spirit doesn't make deals. The Holy Spirit knows His own mind. He doesn't need you to tell it to Him. Yeah. It's not. It's a one way. One is of us is smart, and it's not Corey. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit. One of us is true, and is not Corey. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, and I have to get to this place where I deeply trust myself and stay humble enough so that even when something you know bad happens or somebody corrects me about something, so that I can actually look on that inwardly and just be like, you know what, I might have missed this, yeah. and I'm finding out about it now, and then I have to take the next step and be like, thank you, yeah, thank you for thank <clears throat> God this that somewhere along the way. Thank God that I was in enough relationship because that's the other thing too. People aren't in um, relationships deep enough. People come to church. You'll come to church for a year or two. You're not really giving. You're not really involved. You're not. You're not going to small group. Okay, how much can God ma- bring maturity to you? Right. Not much. He can't. He can't. Um, he can't put you through the ringer of uh, to get your character right to make you better husband, to make you better whatever. He can't put you through the ringer yet because you're not tied to the ship enough. Yeah. So you'll just go to the next church. You'll just go to the next town, get another job, get another wife, get another whatever, yeah. car. You're just going to go on. And when when God, he has to apply pressure to us because in that fire, the silver is, is refined yeah. and all that other garbage goes away and you actually become who you should become. And so what happens is we're not tied to the, to the mast of the ship in the storm and we just like... You know, something happens in a church culture or whatever, you make changes. Yeah. You know, when we make changes in the fall, some people won't come back. Right. Why? Because they'll feel like they're already doing too much or whatever. And God will be like, if you just stay, right. stay for a month, there's this thing in your life that's going to wreck your family that I need to get to, but I can't if you're gone. Right. You're going to go to the next place and they're not. Or they're not going to go. Or they're not going to go. Right. And, and you will just sit the there and, and that's it. You're addicted to something, your flesh or your thinking or whatever it is. You're addicted to something. And that pain that God is trying to bring closer to you so you can change. Yeah. He can't do that if you're outside of community because you won't stay. Now, if everybody in your small group looks at you in the eye and says, where are you going? Right. Uh, why weren't you here? 
Yeah. Well, we're having a fight. Yeah, we all had fights yeah. before small group. That's what you do before <laughs> small group. Maybe you haven't figured that out. That's what we do before church. We all have fights. Yeah. You show up at church because yeah. I know that the person who's not there was the per- the only person who could, who had to be there. Yeah. I know that if I'm preaching about this topic, I have people in mind who I know that they're going to be distracted. I can't tell them that though. Yeah. I could tell them that if if they were you know in small group and I could, and they were connected enough, I could be like, hey, watch for this. But it makes it makes us very predictable sinners. I, I used to do that when we first went to church. Was uh, I'd listen to the sermon and I'd be like, "I sure hope my wife is listening." Yeah, to my this. wife needs us. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, and uh, I, again, my small group, I I would get called out all the time. Yeah. Like uh, you know, you or even my wife would like she would come back and say, "Hey, did you hear what the pastor? What did you think about that?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, this is probably about me." <laughs> and you have to dig into that. That is, if you want to be a leader. That's one of the main things that you have to be able to. You have to internalize everything and just yeah. be like, "Is this me? Is this me? Is right. this me?" That takes a lot of guts to do because um, it hurts, and you have to be healthy to be able to handle that kind of pain. Uh, yeah. Too. We, we did that marriage small group I was talking about, and the first thing I said was, "Hey, you are not. You know, first of all, it's ev- it's easy to fix everybody else's marriage. Yeah. We're not talking about everybody else. You're here to fix you." You've been trying to fix your wife. You've been trying to fix your husband forever, and is not working. Right. That's because you're broken. So why don't we? You have to fix you. Yeah. I said that, and then I asked people like, "Why are you here?" You know, and, and one gal, one gal pipes up. We're not going to listen to this. One gal pipes up, and she's like, "Well, I'm here so that my husband." Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, "I can, I can give you a book, but all you're going to do is eat the pages." You know, right. it's just that thing, right? Because we are so deeply, we so deeply think that it's not really our problem. Right. No. I, I took. Uh, I don't even remember where I hear heard it, but uh, I took this on in in my leadership role at work and then at the house. If something is going wrong at the house, if someone is losing their mind, one of my kids are upset, they're freaking out. I'm like, okay. How did I cause this, or how did I miss something to yeah. solve this? And that's my first step. When things go sideways at work, it's like right off the bat, like what did I miss in this situation? What tools didn't I give them? What? How did I not set that? That gives up you well? the moral authority to call somebody else out too, and be like, okay, here's my part. Yeah. Here's your part. Yeah. So I'm going to work on this. You're going to work on that. You know. Um, and you can't just work on your part. Not if you're responsible for people. You have to hold people to a higher standard. Yeah. Uh, if you don't do that, you're not doing them any favors either, which is a Canadian thing. Like, yeah. Even for our, you know, very part-time staff in the church and stuff like that. You know, I do, I do employee reviews. I want them to get better. Right. The stuff is not going to go on unchecked until one day it gets all weird and I walk into a room in the church and, and I'm like, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I had that happen one time in my dad's church. And I'm like, Ooh. I finally said like, heck no, I'm not, I'm not feeling uncomfortable here. I'm not the... Yeah, no, no, you got a problem. Right, it's not my problem. It's your problem. And you're not gonna make me feel weird walking in this room. So, didn't Andy Stanley do that with his volunteers in his church too? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Andy Stanley is a Christian leadership guy. And, yeah, uh, for people that got don't a great know, podcast too. He really does, and uh, he was talking about where he would um, review his staff and then yeah. have his staff review the volunteers, and if yeah. they weren't standing up, they would literally have to fire their volunteers and say, listen, this isn't working out here. Maybe you could try another portion of the church. <laughs> go go help over there or yeah. go make a mess over there yeah. or whatever it is. But I haven't heard that one, what... but Kerry Newhoff has similar stuff. Yeah, It's so hard when you're working with volunteers sometimes, right? but that, you want to talk about Renee? Yeah. Okay, well, she's like, she got her teeth into something, which is absolutely true. What you allow is what becomes your culture. Right. So for the load-in crew yeah, or the worship Team, you know, we had somebody on the worship team show up forty minutes late yeah. on Sunday. They're, you're not singing, yeah, Sunday. If you show up ten minutes late, you're probably not singing Sunday. You're not as committed as everybody else is. You know, right. you, you 
well, how can you do that to you know well-meaning church people? Well, well-meaning church people need to realize show up on that time. show up on time. <laughs> right. Why do you respect everybody's time? Why should somebody else who's also well-meaning have to get there earlier? Because right. I'm not going to show up and do my job. Yeah. Um, if in business we were like that to put food on people's tables, how much more so should we do that for the souls of people? Right. You call. I'm not talking about somebody walking in for the first time and you making them work real hard. I'm not talking. I'm talking about somebody whose life hangs in the balance that only happens because everybody on the team pulls their weight and does what they're supposed to do. Um, and so that my team does that as well. Yeah. And that they consider that that their job too. So that on Sunday mornings, I'm only dealing with the headaches that have to do with my gifting and have to do with my place. And they will literally deal with everything else. And I won't even hear about some right. stuff. Which is which is why they're on the team right. and why they're team leads, because I don't hear about it ahead of time. And so yeah. they know here, A, B, and C, you bring this to me. But you know, this is where it gets hard in church culture because we're too nice here in Canada. Yeah. And and I don't mean kind. I mean nice. Right. We want people to think that we're nice. Right. And that's the worst thing. That's not actually nice. It's garbage. Right. I want, I'm so concerned about what you think about. I just want you to think that I'm nice all the time. Well, how kind is it to let, you know, if you work for me, how kind is it to let your your performance dip continually until one day I have to fire you? Right. How kind is that? (laughs) So what we talked about in the team uh, yeah. ideal team player was yeah. like this is going to get really uncomfortable and then I'm going to have to fire you or or reprimand and then you, you can't or... make your house payment and then how what kind of a favor am I doing to you there That's no right. um, there is grace but yeah. the higher you go in venue church on dream teams and look these you know I mean even our staff they're not getting much I mean I have to I'm you know <laughs> you know church. how I think about it it's, you yeah. know I. I I, I like a volunteer-led church. Yeah. And so, but even in there, you know, there are standards. You, my kids, um, you want to talk about a bubble? Yeah. They don't have to worry about what other people think. They do need to worry about what I think, but I will apply <laughs> pressure to my children because yeah. I want the best for them. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm a bad dad. I just like, my dad applied pressure to me. I, I mean, in a good way. Like, hey, here, here's the bar that I want you to rise up to. Here's what you're capable of doing, I think. Yeah. He always saw me in tomorrow's, you know, glasses, I think. And so... Um, so that you, you're demanding it, but look, if we demand it for the bottom line in business, how much more so for somebody's soul, how much more so to fix somebody's marriage or to heal some teenage relationship with their mom, it it matters more. It matters. It has to matter a lot to us. And so, and we're okay with that. And what we'll try to do is we'll just, you know, look, you really can't make it to the load in crew or you just stand around with your hands in your pockets. Like we'll try to shift you to a different team. Right. We say this, like if, if you're not like a green personality type or like super sarcastic, we're not going to put you in production. They're just going to hurt your feelings. Right. You know? And so we do try to uh, understand that. Next time you're on, we have to talk about that. Yeah. I, we got, we've, we're about an hour and a half in now and I oh, know yeah, you wow. got stuff to do. So yeah. I, uh, I don't want to cut it off too short, but we, yeah. Yeah, the church has a, a system where we look at your personality and where you're going to fit best, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah, we but want to. before we go, why don't you look into the camera and tell everybody where they can find Venue Church? All right, um, VenueChurch.ca is our website. Uh, you can watch uh, every sermon online if you want to. Um, we have a podcast in the iTunes Store. Uh, that's a sermon podcast. I'm also going to be starting another podcast um, very very soon. That's probably going to be uh, hit a little bit quicker, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, you can find us there. And uh, AirdrieEaster.com, uh, come out to Easter if you can. There's an Easter egg hunt. We would love you to come to the worship experience 
uh, first at 10.30 at the Birchurch Theater and then right across the parking lot at the Ed- Edgar Field behind Genesis Place there. That is where the huge field events are going to happen with the bouncy castles and literally everything is happening there. We have a petting zoo and a massive Easter egg hunt and 50,000 other events nice. that are going to be incredible. That's where you can find us. And 80,000 eggs. 80,000 Easter eggs. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for sharing. This was Pastor uh, Corey Cope uh, today. Um, we'll see you all later. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This podcast is over.